So, Cam, uh, first off, this the uh, we're here to talk about the, uh, the state of the state address uh, last night from uh, Governor Whitmer. Uh, what what are your thoughts on state of the state addresses to begin with? Are they are they a bit old fashioned? Do you think that they're uh, they're useful? What's what's your, kind of your take on that? Well, I'll tell you, Nick, if you tuned in, you saw that the governor had an '80s theme to it. Uh, the speech was littered with references from songs from the '80s, and I'm a child of the '80s. And if we're going to use songs, I would use Tell Me Lies, Tell Me Sweet Little Lies by Stevie Nicks, because that's a lot of what we heard last night. A lot of wishful thinking, um, a lot of a lot, a lot of rhetoric, but not a lot of substance. What was the uh, it, yeah, that's interesting. I, what was the tone like to you um, of the speech? Did she because I, I was uh, I was kind of like, man, they uh, the Democrats are now you guys are tied in the House. And so they're not going to be able to get as many things done, uh, especially initially until special elections are held. And obviously then maybe there'll be a mix up in the general election. Uh, what was her tone like? Was there was there any kind of defiant tone to it? Because she's a little bit upset that, you know, they don't have the the majority that they they enjoyed last year with which they were able to make some pretty record setting uh, changes to how our state operates. Not at all, Nick. The governor is speaking to a national audience right now. She's mm. running for president. So she's her cheery self, and she's a very personable person, you know. She and she she can deliver a speech from the teleprompter, um, and that's what was going on. Um, the, it was it was a lot of uh, uh, oh, she rewarded her friends with a lot of programs this last cycle, and she liked to remind them because she's running for president. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned uh, the rewarding of her friends because I, I saw that I do want to talk about that uh, in, in a little bit um, some of the policies that she laid out last night uh, universal pre-k free community college for all high school graduates uh, 1.4 billion dollars to rehabilitate or build 10,000 housing units wants to bring back and expand and probably make worse the uh, the good jobs for Michigan business incentive uh, which was started by uh, Governor Snyder $5,000 family caregiver tax credit paying for counseling, transportation, and nursing or respite services. The Michigan Vehicle Rebate Plan, a $25 million program, uh, which offers $2,500 in rebates for drivers buying a car. 1000 for a new car, specifically, uh, which is super important yeah. to point out. $1,000 for any vehicle, 2000 for electric vehicles, 500 if the vehicle was union-made, which... Kind of goes to your point of helping her friends. And then the roads. She didn't announce any new plans for the roads, just asking for the authorization of the final $700 million of her road bonding plan that began in 2020, which was a total of $3.5 billion. What are some things that stood out to you policy-wise in the speech that were going to be an issue kind of for the state overall, but also specifically for your district? Well, I've been in the real estate business, Nick, for over 20 years. I've had a license going on 23 years now. And I saw that, shoot, the governor wants to build $10,000 for $140,000 a piece. It just can't be done. Uh, I talked to a contractor right now in Sheboygan County. The average build out for per square foot is between 300 and 350 a foot. So a thousand square foot home would cost you $300,000 to build. How the governor thinks she can do it for 140 is beyond me. So I just, you know, she can say those things, but putting them in, you know, we got a housing crisis. So I do respect her for addressing it. But whenever government gets involved, it just doesn't seem to work out, Nick. So her housing plan, I thought, was terrible. Um, 
a community college. You know, I, I represent most of Northeast Michigan or all of Northeast Michigan. I know a lot of your listenership is, is Northwest. You have um, NCMC, Nuckmuck there in Petoskey. But we have Alpena Community College, which is the farthest community college from any four-year institution in the state. And we try and get bachelor-level programs in there so our folks don't have to drive 200 miles to Saginaw Valley or up to Lake State. And they get shot down all the time. You know, we tried to get a bachelor's of nursing program in there. Um, Downstate lobbyists that are lobbying for other bigger schools that have nursing programs shoot it down. So it gets frustrating that Northeast Michigan keeps taking it on the chin with a lot of the governor's policies. You know, since you uh, since you spent uh, so, many, so many years in real estate, I guess going back to the uh, the uh, affordable housing issue and specifically what the policy she laid out, uh, have you ever come across government built housing in your in your time in real estate? And can you speak to the uh, the quality or, or lack thereof of, of government housing? Well, it's funny you say that because a lot of them had asbestos piping in it. <laughs> So they're respending money to take asbestos piping out of some of the housing units that have been built. Now, a lot of what the government does up in northern Michigan is they give housing vouchers for private, uh, for private, you know, uh, landlords and things to rent out. People who want to do business with the federal government, they have the Section 8 program. Uh, MISHTA, Tip of the Mid Housing, is a MISHTA program, and they have housing vouchers also. So I am familiar with those programs. So they don't build like projects per se, like they do downstate in urban areas. They give vouchers to go into other homes. Sure. Okay, that makes sense. You know, it's uh, you even mentioned you know, they can't even build the uh, these homes even remotely well with the amount of money that uh, she has proposed, and not even and obviously that's not you know an indication of like hey let's we need to spend more money, but. That so one, there's going to be inflation. We already know that. I mean, my uh, I have a family member actually who uh, is just doing basically a complete reconstruction of of a house, um, and they just moved into it, and they're just talking about, man, this was a lot more expensive, you know, than we originally thought. It always costs more, and then inflation adds to it, always costing more. And they never mentioned, by the way, how they're going to pay for this. One, someone's going to have to pay for it. It's going to be us. And then additionally, yeah. anytime the state spends more money, it's going to be more inflationary. So did you hear any way that this was going to be how this was going to be funded? Because I, no, don't, I don't hear the, any pay cuts. The, the raising taxes. Yes. The raising taxes, income tax is going back up from 4.02 to 4.25. You know, the attorney general, the Republicans worked hard to get that income tax reduced. And there was a law that it ties it to the rate of inflation. And it was supposed to be a permanent tax cut. But the attorney general issued her opinion and the governor just took that opinion and they balanced the budget based on the on the income tax increase. So that's how they're going to pay for it is they're going to increase our taxes. Yeah, I mean, that's crazy. That's already a kind of a, a tax that we were expecting, unfortunately, after that ruling from last year. I could only imagine uh, new ways that they're going to increase our taxes. I mean, I know that they do have the uh, the tax incentive for caregivers. There's a couple of couple of ways that they're trying to to give back money to a very specific group of people. But then you look at the Michigan vehicle rebate plan, kind of like I was talking about. It's like people who don't make a lot of money aren't able to purchase a new car. That's not the market that they're in for. So who is the who who so it's that specific plan? Let, let's take a look at who that's helping. That's helping people yeah. who have that's that are uh, median to high income rate levels and 
um, she tossed in the the extra five hundred dollar rebate if the vehicle was union made, and she does this in an election right. year. Tell tell me how that's not kind of a weird little shenanigan going on with the unions. And we just saw that the UAW endorsed Joe Biden. That's going to trickle all the way down to the Democratic side of the ticket. I mean, these things are super obvious. Can can you speak to how um, to how ridiculous some of that is? I mean. The money that we're going to be having to pay for this, it's this money going, you know, is going to benefit the unions as well. This just seems very ridiculous and very blatant to me. Uh, Again, Nick, she's speaking to a national audience. Uh, EVs are not big in Northwest and Northeast Michigan. Mm -hmm. She's speaking to the East Coast and the West Coast, and that's where her donors come from. And this is free media coverage. Well, she they will use sound bites of that clip to play in commercials when she runs for president. And the show that how green she actually is. People in Northeast Michigan are more interested in kitchen table issues. They got to pay their utility bills. They got to pay their housing costs. Inflation is killing us. And she's talking about rebates for cars that nobody can even afford. Or the infrastructure does not even support. It's frustrating, Nick. It, it is to when I hear her talk like that. It's, and, and it's nothing new. These are just regurgitated language from previous speeches. She just cut and pasted. Well, it is interesting, too, because she kind of started off the speech saying these are kitchen table issues. And and in some ways that, um, again, she's offered some solutions within issues that the state are facing. So affordable housing is an issue. But people aren't sitting down and talking about, um, the you know, all right, I'm going to go buy a new car and uh, it's going to be an electric vehicle. That's not a kitchen table issue. It's it's like you've mentioned the going to the grocery store, affording gas try not to have the roads, which she didn't offer any new plan, not absolutely break their car. Hey, honey, how, you know, what's a different route that I can take to avoid the nine potholes on the road? You know, and then in your district, I mean, maybe you have an update on this. There's a bridge that is about to collapse and yes. there's no funding for that. And that could that could be li- literally deadly for the, the, re- the detour that, you know, first responders would have to take. Yeah, thank you for acknowledging that, Nick. Uh, the Orchard Beach Bridge is rated on a 1 to 10. It is a 2. If it gets any worse, the school districts are not going to allow the buses to go over the bridge. Less than one mile from this bridge is uh, Alberno Fire and Safety Department. It's the largest uh, fire department in Sheboygan County. They need that bridge to get to uh, if there's an emergency to get to the other side and, and, and the, due to the weights of the fire trucks, they might not be able to soon, you know, it doesn't have to fall into the river for us before we quit using it. The weight restrictions won't allow us to go over it. Already concrete trucks are going on half loads when they cross it. And um, logging trucks are just going around, which increases the price of lumber, which you mentioned your, your friend that, you know, is redoing a house. You know, those are the little things that add up. Less, it would take a billion dollars, just just one. We spent any one billion, mind you. Just one billion dollars would replace every bridge in the state. Mm, yeah, there, it, only one point. It's a one point two million dollar project for the Orchard Beach Bridge. You think that they could find that in their budget? And we're trying hard to find it. I'll tell you that it's a high priority. Repu- I sit on the appropriations committee, and we're going to ask for that money. Yes, yeah, that's good. It's it's very necessary for that community. 
Republicans, they do have the opportunity to to kind of come together to block some of these plans, even if they are brought up, which we don't really know. After the special election, you know, the governor and the Democrats might be trying to hold on to some of these issues so they don't have to worry about split power in the House. But regardless, is there is there anything in this speech that you think Republicans are interested in working with the governor on? Boy, good question. You know, I would I would say that, you know, we'd maybe go with broadband. You know, that that wasn't mentioned, but that's a high priority. Um, Public safety. You know, she didn't really talk about that. That's something that we could work together with. Um, You know, there's certainly some each district has its own pet projects and ours certainly does that. The Black River Jetty over in um, Black River in Alcona County. um, That's something that we could work on. But no, to be honest with you, Nick, there's a big chasm. There's a valley between us and them right now. You know, these are highly partisan charged issues that she's talking about. What are you hearing from your constituents about? What are some issues that they want you and the Republicans overall to focus on uh, in this uh, in this upcoming year here? Shared power right now. You know, we're we're at 54-54, but they have the gavel, Nick, so they control the sessions. They they canceled. I I came to Lansing to work down here this week. You know, I I get up, I I leave after my wife gets home Monday evening, and I drive down, and then I don't come back till Thursday evening. So my time is here in Lansing where I'm working for the people. And it was raining down here. So they canceled session. Well, why is that? Because a lot of their membership won't drive over from Detroit. So they won't have enough people to vote. So they just cancel. Next week, uh, the speaker's not going to be not going to be in town. He's on some lobbyist junket. So they canceled session, and they're going to continue to do that until April. They're going to slow roll everything until April. Um, the, the days we were in session down here, we did some road namings and passed some resolutions to um, acknowledge legislators who have passed, you know, passed on the previous year. So those are the kind of things that we can agree upon. If a Congressional Medal of Honor winner wants a road name for him down in, uh, let's say, Monroe County, I'm supportive of that. I'm voting yes. They deserve that. Some of my some of my or some of my party might vote no on that because they don't believe the government needs to belong and those you know get involved in those types of things. But I'm a solid yes on that. So those are things that we can agree with the Democrats. If a Democrat legislator stands up and wants a road naming for a fireman who died in the line of duty, I'm voting for it. It is interesting, though, to point out, and I think it's important, too, that there is going to be kind of a slow roll, as you mentioned, because they they are waiting for a special election to go in their favor. So I think that is important to kind of kind of point out there. Um, but there's also something important going on in your district as well. And you um, you're actually going to be meeting about this later today. Uh Dams and the on the Asable River, uh, consumers' energy is decommissioning those. What can you tell us about that, and kind of how that's going to impact your district and the kind of greater Northern Michigan? Well, you know, the, thanks, Nick. The, the Asable River is one of the crown natural jewels in the state of Michigan. They actually have a section on there called the Holy Waters. The fly fishermen travel from around the world to fish, to you know, to support our local economy. And there's a large power company that is going to divest in these dams. It's going to change the the natural look of it. And, you know, the, these dams, they, they don't really generate a lot of power. About two megawatts a day 
is what a dam and they're expensive you know they they they're they're not they're safe and they've been well maintained but they're old and they need new infrastructure and the power companies without you know government assistance don't really have the money to uh you know to build them out again for the new century you know that and then with the state subsidizing green energy and by green energy i mean solar and wind we subsidize that at two cents a kilowatt hour and these they they, they are 2.5 cents a kilowatt hour that, that by we i don't mean the legislator i mean the taxpayer you and me and everybody that we know in this state subsidizes these energy companies at 2.5 and they only generate at two cents an hour a kilowatt hour so you know, what would you do if you're the company? I mean, you can't blame the corporation for that. You know, they're taking the free money. They make money off the subsidy. Right. But in the process, you know, these dams, these have large ponds behind them. You know, you can water ski on some of them. There's a paddle wheel. The, the Osabo Queen is on one of them. Um, you know, the, the Osabo Canoe Race is one of the triple crown races in canoe racing, which is really big in Canada. Um, you know, it, it, it just, we're going to see what happens. You know, they're, they're getting their decommissioning is one of the possibilities, you know, it could be possible that this large energy company is going to sell them and another company would come in. But ever since Midland, everybody is divesting of their dams. Ah, um, the, the DNR has 200 dams consumers is, I believe that they're looking at 13 or 16 or something like that around the state, even large ones, Houghton pole dam. Um, you know, th- those are, uh, Croton Hardy dam. Some of the, you know, those are some of the biggest dams in the state and with us subsidizing green energy, they're just walking away from hydro. Yeah. Well, cause you know, it is interesting one that you pointed out the, uh, you know, they're kind of that, that whole, uh, I think it was Edinville and the, uh, Sanford dams that, uh, that burst. Yeah. And yeah, I mean that that's going to cost the state. That's going to cost the, uh, the, the owner operator who, seems to be uh, potentially criminally liable of uh, kind of avoiding making uh, necessary repairs. And I think people, yeah, I think to your point, they're kind of like, ah, oh, that's uh, I don't want to be liable for this, this old piece of infrastructure. But the um, the interesting thing, though, and you kind of compare green energy, renewable energy with with dams, there are people in the Republican Party um, who you know, are like, well, we shouldn't be subsidizing these things, which is which is a fair point. But there are in in contrast to renewable energy. There are um, kind of, you know, the, the benefits outside of the energy itself. You have, like you said, these ponds. It, it kind of makes the landscape look differently. And a lot of people enjoy uh, the recreation around the, the uh, you know, these um, what the, these ponds that the, these dams create. And so if that if they were to be decommissioned, if they were to be torn down, that once again changes the uh, the kind of the landscape of the area. And maybe that is something that the uh, the, the taxpayers in the area who are funding this are okay with all right maybe it's not ideal that we have to subsidize these but there are additional benefits outside of that um have have any uh constituents come up to you to kind of you know express concern about this oh yeah yeah absolutely there's there, there's people that are very concerned the the alcona dam alcona pond the township there it's the largest revenue source that they have they run a campground on alcona pond mm. both a modern and a primitive campground it's like 600 sites and it's a top revenue generator for if that's going to go away, you know, where, what, what's going to happen to that revenue? What kind of services are they going to have to cut in that township? That alone, the scenic beauty. Are, are you familiar with Brown Bridge and Traverse? 
I am, yes. You know, on the Boardman River. That was a dam that was recommissioned. You know, it used to be the, the big pond there, and now it's just a trickle stream. And when they did that, it wasn't done appropriately. The mud was released. Sediment, there was sediment release that really set the growth back for a while. Um, you know, they, they've got an opportunity to do this right, and, you know, we're going to make sure that they do do it right if this happens. It's not going to be done haphazardly. And they're, they're starting these groups. I think it's uh, the term called prosperity groups not friends groups or anything, they're calling them prosperity groups. So mm. prosperity groups are forming, those are you know stakeholders, local governments, people that are um, friends of the river and, and of the region. So I know you have to go in we'll, a minute. We'll see on that. Yeah, I know you uh, have a you have a hard break here. You have to uh, run off to your next meeting. But I, last question, how can constituents contact you with concerns? Maybe like, you know, the... Uh, the uh, these potentially decommissioned dams on the Asabo River. How can people get a hold of you to express kind of the issues that they want you and the Republicans to take up in 2024? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, best way is to call the office 517-377-0833. Or you can go see me on camcavit.com, camcavit.com. We are speaking with State Representative Cam Cavett of the 106th District. Cam, thank you for making the time to join us today. Appreciate it and your insight on the state of the state and uh, bringing up this topic about the the Osable River. Thanks, Nick. I'm a fan of your show.